Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the REC Rapid Review, brought to you by the REC Podcast. I'm your host, Roman Chavez, and the man behind the camera, Icarus Eric. Icarus of the Eric Variety, producer extraordinaire. Thank you guys for tuning into this. We're going to have a Wonder Woman spoiler-filled review. Uh, we're going to try to do this as quick as we can and hit a lot of the finer points and just kind of take you along this journey. This is almost more of a discussion than a review. I hope you've seen the movie. I don't want to deter you or to tell you you should watch this film, but I want to share our point of view with what we experienced on Christmas. Um, unfortunately, Eric couldn't make it. He is a working man. We were going to watch this movie together and, uh, and he, he couldn't make it. So I, uh, I took this, I bit this bullet myself, which might not be leading in the most positive direction. Um, <laughs> again, spoilers, 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 spoilers. Uh, we open up Themyscira, the paradise island land of the Amazons, um, with something that really doesn't pertain to the rest of the film. Uh, we, I think they're trying to set a tone yeah. that doesn't fit with the rest of the movie. Um, there's a lot of, of subtle things that we're supposed to kind of glean from the Amazon princess uh, as a child uh, competing in these triathlon games against other Amazons. And while somewhat entertaining, feels very, very campy. Um, there's a lot of high-flying for, I want to say no reason, but you kind of expect that with, with Wonder Woman. But it just, it feels very forced. Uh, she's meant to learn a lesson here uh, about humility and, and what she needs to do. And we kind of get this, uh, Eric, producer extraordinaire, what yeah. is the, uh, uh, the Amazonian armor? Uh, what, what is, what is the character's name? Oh, oh, yes. I will spell it out for you. A-S-T-E-R-I-A. <laughs> Asteria, I believe is, is her name. Uh, and that's kind of where we get this glimpse of this fabled Wonder Woman armor. So kind of sets up like, okay, this is obviously going to be something we've seen the trailer. Um, we jump to the year is 1984. And it's fun. You know, they're really leaning into, I believe they're trying to do the 80s camp. They're trying to make it fun for us. They're trying to say, hey, guys, we remember the 80s just like you do. <laughs> but I got to say that those, those notes don't really hit home for me. Um, it's just a little bit too funny. We had a very, I would say, serious Wonder Woman 1 movie, wouldn't you? Yeah. And... Uh, you know, we, we even said on the show that Wonder Woman 1 had those uh, Captain America, First Avenger, Thor 1 uh, high notes, and it had, a, it had a certain look to it. I love that kind of uh, brass, almost muted uh, gold, muted silver tones. It almost had like a sepia tone to it as Sepia, well. is that what, that, was that what yeah. that's called? I, oh okay. yeah, I would just say like the way the film was like sort of processed. Yes. It gave it more of a like brittle, like you're watching an old school film. Yes. You know. And, you know, it had a really just aesthetic to it that I loved. They kind of brighten up her costume here. We kind of saw that in Justice League as well. But it's just, it feels so 70s Spider-Man TV. She's whipping the, her, her, her lasso of truth around. She's, you know, throwing it in, indiscriminately in the air to get from one place to another. And it's just really... Just like in the comic books. I, it, the lasso moves in a way that I never expected. Right, right. I never expected her to, it, it to kind of be like, you know, I throw it and, and every time I throw <laughs> it, something gets grabbed. The thing I need gets grabbed. Um, it's very seldomly used for its truth, <laughs> which is kind of its thing. It's less about grabbing people and tossing them and far more about uh, getting the truth out of people and definitely binding people. But yeah, she's just tossing people left and right. Um, we get introduced to Barbara Minerva. 
the cheetah, which actually this one might not be Barbara Minerva, but we do have some uh, we do have some some cheetah action in here, and uh, we have her as the uh, you know she's kind of the the aloof nerdy. Um, oh, I wish I was the cool girl, but I'm in my forties, so it's like. <laughs> That's not happening. Like you're done. You're done. You, 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 you've, you've turned that corner, and we're not getting there. Okay. Um, she becomes enamored uh, with with Diana. Wants to be, you know, just oh man, like you really command a room. I wish I could command a room. That, that's the, you know, they're they're not subtle about it at all. It's it's that very you know Peter Parker feel of what's going on with Barbara. You know, she's good. You see her donating her time and getting extra food for the homeless. Like they're really trying to hammer this point home that Barbara. She's a good cat. <laughs> good cat. Uh, there, I want to say it's a language issue. I don't really think that they communicate well together. I think that uh, Diana's and you know in real life Gal Gadot's you know accent it just it works when she's talking to other people of mythical range, <laughs> but it just does not work when they're trying to talk to each other because she's such aloof and Gal Gadot is just really projecting Amazonian princess, not even barely trying to hide it, it seems. Right, right. But they're both working at this uh, uh, museum. Yep. You know, Diana's worked her way into this uh, job where she's, you know, a uh, master of antiquities kind of thing. <laughs> you know, uh, she is some type of doctor. And Minerva's an archaeologist, zoologist. She, she keeps, like, listing her achievements oh, wow. as she's going. Yeah. Um, and they come across this stone. And in this stone, there's kind of this bracelet-looking thing around it. It's, it's a, you know, very, uh, very ominous-looking. Uh, but they determine that the stone is a fake. You know, that, that, that this specific type of stone is, is nothing. They use it in, 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 in all kinds of different uh, fakes and forgeries. Uh, and it's supposed to be the dream stone. Uh, from comics, we know it's from uh, the Duke of Deception, <laughs> the Sultan of Swat, Dolos. And he's just a god of mischief of some kind. You know, a, a Loki-level uh, god of deception. Um and rumor has it that if you hold the stone and you make a wish, your wish is granted. Sounds great. Sounds totally great. Uh, you know, we see Diana hold it. She, you could tell she makes a wish by, you know, she doesn't verbalize anything, but you can tell what's going on, which leads us to kind of our, my big issue with the movie. Big issue, guys. We've seen it in the trailer. We know that Chris Pine is back. The Steve Trevor character, which we we all loved, I mean, basically Captain America without the shield and the and the upgrades um, in in the first Wonder Woman movie, uh, and he's fun, man. He really was. I, I thought I was like, hey, this guy could have been Captain America. He could have been. Like, he would have been fine. He, he was Chris too. He was a Chris. Yeah, he's he's a Chris. So we like our MCU Chris's, and you know, he shows up. We know that he's in there. There was tons. We all had theories. Is this going to be Martian Manhunter? Like, what's the deal? Like, how is he here? Because we know. He didn't put it in the water. He <laughs> blew it up in the atmosphere. Okay? And he's there. But for no reason, his, like, soul is in the body of another person. What is that? What is that? If we're making wishes, like, like she didn't wish for that. She didn't wish for Steve to show up in somebody else's body. It, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. It was very... I mean, let's just say it. Fans of the show, Quantum Leap. <laughs> you know, there's lots... There's lots of, of scenes in mirrors where we're seeing him like catch him. You know, we're seeing the real guy, but it just it's needlessly used, and it's not like even they use it as a gag. You know, multiple. Oh, we can use this guy to get in this place. No, no, 
He's just in this other guy's body. But we never see this guy pretty much after that. It's just Chris Pine on on, on stage. It's it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So it's totally like Scott Bakula vibes. Going. It's, yeah, full-on <laughs> Scott Bakula vibes. Like, and, you know, hell, back in the day, Scott Bakula would have been a fine Steve Trevor as far as I'm concerned. I'm with you on that yeah, one. Could also be Captain America. <laughs> and... It's it's a weird plot device. So obviously the stone is is this this MacGuffin. You know, MacGuffin. It's a MacGuffin. And not only is it a MacGuffin, but you know, so other people are starting to wish and things are going on. You know, when then we have the introduction of Maxwell Lord. Maxwell Lord is another issue I have in the movie. P- Pedro Pascal is amazing. And he's doing a lot with what he has, but it's just nothing like the Maxwell Lord from the comics that we know. What makes Maxwell Lord interesting is he's kind of this vicious businessman who ends up bankrolling the JLA for a little while. Especially specifically the JLA, I believe, out of Detroit. Justice League Detroit. You remember that, Eric? <laughs> With Vibe? Remember Vibe, Cisco oh, yeah. Ramon? Oh, yeah, um, dude. <laughs> and he's got like low-level telepathic abilities. It's always fun because he'll he'll kind of like he can kind of push you a little bit. Like nothing crazy. Like he's not taking over Batman's mind, but he can suggest things to you in the comics. And kind of when he uses his abilities, he always kind of bleeds you know, has a has a has a stream of blood coming down his nose because he's just not that powerful. It actually takes a lot out of him to do it. Uh, but he's kind of this greasy, for lack of a better word, oil tycoon, who's uh, you know trying to get you to get on and things like pyramid scheme. Pedro Pascal is is fine with the material he has. It's just nothing about that was Maxwell Lord. Um, I don't want to. While this is spoiler rich, I do. If you're just kind of watching this to, to get some fine points. Check out the movie. I mean, you know, come up with your own conclusion. But I was not a big fan of his role in the story. Uh, Barbara Minerva, back back to our cheetah character, she kind of wishes that she could be strong, powerful. And she specifically says, I wish I could be more like Diana. And so she starts to get confident. You know, very much the, I took off my glasses and I whipped my hair. And now I'm now I'm the hot chick, you know, uh, and, and she's really she's strutting her stuff, you know. I I think Kristen Wiig is is is, is very pretty, and she's really funny, uh, but you know, it, it's so it's not like that big of a stretch for her to like pull this off, even though she has that great chin thing that she does, um, and it's it's just not that that big of a stretch. Uh, and then you know, you kind of start to you know it's a very much like the you know like in the movie Christine when like the dude's sitting in the car too much and it's starting to make him a dick. It's also happening to Barbara. She's just starting to be rude to people, you know? And she's getting stronger. She almost gets raped twice in the movie by the same guy, but one time she's got superpowers, so that guy pays for his uh, for his sexual transgressions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our comic book, though, like, what's so great, there's been four cheetahs in comics, okay? We have Priscilla Price, which was the first one in the 40s, like Wonder Woman number six. Uh, and then there was a, a Debbie, Debbie uh, Domain... And then uh, Minerva, Barbara, is our third, okay? And her story was great because she is the archaeologist. She's a British archaeologist. Uh, she's doing some, some work in, in Africa. Uh, there's a, a tribe that their, uh, you know, their protector, very much like Black Panther, is a cheetah. They imbibe with the, with the powers of, uh, of the cheetah. It's this whole ritual where you have to drink blood mixed with these, like, special roots. It's real dark, real satanic feeling. <laughs> but it's, it's super, uh, it, it's, it's a more interesting backstory than what we got. But what's kind of fun about the comic book version is the fact that uh, so their protector of this tribe gets seriously injured and, and, and is dying. And Barbara, falling for this tribe, says, hey, I will be your protector. I will avenge this. They do the ritual to her in the comic books, but you're supposed to be a virgin. And because she's not a, rever- a virgin, it changes 
like what the spell is. So like her human form is almost agony. And when she's kind of in that cheetah state, it's nothing but bloodlust. So it's like a, a, a curse more than a, a protection spell. Oh, that sounds great, right? Right, producer? I Eric? want that. I want that in my movie. Well, that's not what you're getting. <laughs> that's not what you're getting. Okay? So as as a fan, and you know, I'm not actually well versed, like Barbara's my uh a cheetah, you know, of of the so I was very excited for this type this version and the movie just doesn't deliver. And you for love that. Kristen Wiig. I love Kristen Wiig, one of my app she's on my rushmore of definitely a female uh SNL alums and she's in the discussion of all time for me personally. I think she's great in the film, Eric. I okay. do think she's uh she's doing again, everybody's doing really well with the thing that they're given, but none of these toys go together. You know? <laughs> the the story is just it, it's a Sid toy from Toy Story. Oh my gosh! You, yeah, you're you're not kidding. You're not kidding. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's fun to be in the '80s. We grew up in part of the '80s. Sure. You know, in the majority of the '80s, but as you know, boys. Yeah. We weren't even men yet, <laughs> and uh, so you you get that. But it's just it feels like forced camp. I keep talking about the tone of the film tonally. It's just it, so Patty Jenkins goes from something like you said. It goes into Schumacher. Yes, like, it's very it's it's a little it goes bit from more Burton serious. To Schumacher. Yes, yes. The what made Wonder Woman one the little engine that could is very much lost. Like this feels like the sellout, uh, you know, record. You know, if, if we're talking like that, you know, it's very bright. It's very um, and even the Diana her 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 strength is not she doesn't project it well in here. And I guess that is part of it. Cause if you hadn't got the monkeys, Paul references that we all understand from, uh, the Simpsons, uh, it's one of those situations where if you make a wish, it costs you something. And for her, she made this wish that Steve was still around in some other dude's body, I guess. Maybe she was like oddly specific because we didn't even hear her make the wish. We just kind of see her close her eyes. And then the, like, whoosh. <laughs> you know, you know, when you make a wish and your hair gets blown by a mysterious wind inside a building, it was that type of situation. Uh, and man, I already lost my train, but where I'm at is it's her strength of her character is not particular. She's obviously already very old in terms of the, the years of men, but, you know, she's telling Steve, like, I'll never love another man. And it's just, it feels so uncharacteristic of her. Now, maybe you can chalk that up to, you know, when she came to the world of man and she fell in love with Steve Trevor. Like, you, we all remember our first love. So hard to get over that first love. It's the one that hurts the most. And, you know, for her, she had never had another man, man lover. All right. <laughs> You know, she's a man-eater, right? <laughs> and so I, I guess there is something like that, but there, there's a maturity there that, that she had in the first movie right. that maybe just living in the world of man. And, and I guess you could you could chalk that up in the storyline. Like, oh, just being exposed to the human race for so long is making her, you know, her, her defenses are coming right. down a little bit. She's getting used to living in this, in this mm. indulgent American lifestyle, you know? Just like how Thor in the, in the MCU films starts to get a little funnier. And by the third movie, a lot funnier. Yeah, way so, funnier. Um, more funny? Um, I, uh, I think there's... We wanted this to be to save our quarantine. We want... This was going to be... 2020 was bad. Uh, and we're going to go out on the right note on Christmas. We're going to finally get a comic book movie. Fell short, guys. There was no way it was going to meet our expectations. I, I can fully admit that, but it's just it's just not what I'm used to. It's not what they promised me. And again, you, DC, you're always adding stuff that doesn't make sense. 
you bake in a sweet, sweet cake. Too much salt. Too much salt. Too much catnip. Too too much catnip. <laughs> um, yeah. Overall, I I can't recommend the movie to people. If you're like I'm a diehard Wonder Woman man, fan, I loved the movie, the first one. I can't wait to watch this. I would be like, just dial it down. Just dial it down. Because there are some cool parts. There really are some good parts, but it's about 45 minutes too long, as Big Tuna, friend of the show, uh, said, texted me today. It's about 45 minutes too long. Uh, there's a lot of unnecessary stuff, even with that 45 minutes out. And I got to say, guys, it's. I don't know that it's worth... Your time. I guess some of us aren't working. So I, I heard some people almost just walked out of their house. <laughs> He's like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> just, just talked to their significant other, requested some type of refund, and then just left. Just left. The the true at-home theater experience. <laughs> if you guys watched it, let us know what you think in the comments below. This went a little longer than I intended it to go. However, uh, I hope you enjoyed this discussion. This is not a review for, for somebody who hasn't seen it. This is something that we discuss. We're trying to bring comic book shop to you guys. This is us having a conversation with you. You may see me behind the, uh, in front of the camera. You may see Eric Icarus behind, uh, in front of the camera. We're going to figure this thing out, and we hope that you enjoyed this. Tell us what you think below. Click that subscribe button. Check us out on the REC Podcast, posting every week. Check us out on Instagram at REC Podcast, and check out for REC Toy Casts as well. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Roman Chavez, producer. Eric Icarus. We'll catch you on the next podcast. <laughs>